It's banter o'clock! Welcome into another edition of Banter Clock. I'm Ethan Ryder, along with the other host, Nicholas Hozel. Oh, geez, Louise. Nicholas Odell, Michael Boston, and Alvin Roden. Um, what a way to say. This is, this is going to be. But my goodness, that was different. <laughs> it was a Z. I put a Z there. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it happens to the best of us. Um, we'll yeah. move on. Champions League, uh, just to make it up to you, I'll let you go first, Nick. Uh, Champions League, Man City, doing the business? Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's become one of those weird things to where saying the Prem for just some reason is just not doing themselves. The Champions League, they come out like this big monster all of a sudden. It's like, brah! And they start getting down to business. And they certainly have. Uh, and... It's great to see City being like City at least once in their lives, you know. I'd love that to carry over to the Prem someday. Uh, maybe next week against Sheffield, who knows. But, hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll prob- probably in the same boat as you, I'll take it. It wasn't – we definitely didn't come out like raw, but um, Liverpool ended up getting the win. So, I mean, it is what it is. The Fabinho injury – it's about the last thing we would have wanted from that game, but it is what it is. And Liverpool will try to find a way out of it. How much of a problem it'll be. I think it kind of depends if Joel Matip is back. Gomez and Matip probably could get the job done. And Kometia was someone that I think is kind of under the radar, someone that could fix that problem because he was honestly didn't look out of place at all in preseason. Of course, that's preseason. You can't take too much from it. And then, of course, Reese Williams stepped in and he did a job, didn't, didn't really put a foot wrong in his little second appearance in the Champions League, which is someone who has zero appearances in the Premier League, which is actually pretty interesting. But that's just kind of how our squad is right now. But they did end up getting the win. And Diogo Jota, man, he's coming on. I mean, he's someone that is playing way better than I think anyone would have expected. But they got a 2-0 win. Salah, also Trin Alexander-Arnold is probably the best player in the world right now. Uh, his passing, dribbling, everything just absolutely exquisite. I'm just kidding. He's definitely the best right back in the world. But if he played center mid, he'd probably be the best center mid in the world too. But uh, we'll move on to Boski. Uh, a lot to unpack uh, there from Ethan's side. Uh, I got – wow, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, moving, on, moving on to Chelsea. Um, I mean, uh, last Champions League game against Sevilla, they had a very, very stagnant performance. And this time they made no, no mistake about it, imposing their will on a much weaker cr- – Krasnador, I'm, again, I'm not completely sure how to pronounce that. Um, but, boy, they were, they were very exciting to watch. I mean, obviously the first goal from Callum Hudson-Odoi wasn't the greatest finish, but, and the keeper made a pretty big mistake. But, I mean, from then on, they were, they were, pure, they were truly dominant. It was nice to see Ziyech finally get his first Chelsea goal. I've been saying for months that he is, you know, he's one of the best midfielders in the world. And, and, you know, at the time of the signing, I thought he was arguably top five midfielder, which was a very hot take. And um, I'm hoping he can definitely prove it. I still think so, right? <laughs> uh, but also Pulisic finally uh, back in scoring, and it's good to see him healthy. It was overall a pretty dominant performance. The one thing I was very surprised about was the fact that Jorginho missed a penalty. I mean, I, that's one of those things where, you know, it happens. He said to keep it the wrong way. It was just, it was just a poor penalty. But – Chelsea looked really, really good today. And, and hopefully they can bring that over to the Prem and, you know, show off that 
dominant attacking side that they really have. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those that is probably the hardest one to take, whether you're taking it or watching it, when you send them the wrong way and you literally just have to pass into the net, but you hit the post. But mm-hmm. also, I forgot to say, um, Liverpool played FC Midstigeland. Wand? Land? Something like that. But we'll move on to Alvin. I had to say that for uh, certain purposes that you'll uh, probably hear later on in the show. But Alvin, you're probably going to be really happy right now. So we'll move to you. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea wasn't the only Prem team, you know, running route. Uh, I think going into this uh, group stage, United fans are worried. You know, we see PSG and Leipzig, two teams that were semifinalists last year. And I think the timing of everything uh, was not the best. We had just lost against Tottenham looking scary now we beat PSG and we pull off in a perfect performance if you ask me today you know I don't know what was going on with Julian Nagelsmann men but everything was going well for a formation that seemed new Van de Beek you know was starting Pogba was starting we had Greenwood starting who has been under you know a lot of pressure recent media pressure uh, because of you know what's going on with Iceland and all that and then of course you know Rashford substitution in, uh, in the second half, you know, not many can score a 25-minute hat-trick. And he did that in the Champions League. You know, Mr. MBE, he's a uh, – we decided, you know, I have to say a moment of appreciation for him. You know, on and off the pitch, he is a true role model. And it's just amazing to have someone like that, you know, affiliated with United. But three massive points. I'm sure the, the lads are buzzing, motivated. There you go. Yeah, there you go for Rashford. And, I mean, 5-0 against Leipzig. If so, I would have signed off on that, you know, in the beginning of the season, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge performance. And 4-0 from Premier League teams in the Champions League, that's pretty good, especially since sometimes they seem to fall off sometimes in the Champions League. I mean, even last week, it wasn't the best performances. Boski, I believe you have something you want to say right now. Oh, uh, speaking of the Champions League um... – uh, for, for the people that are listening and can't see, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Barcelona kit, as you'll usually find me. And um, some pretty big news happened recently at, at my club, as, as I should say. And that's the fact that this blood-sucking son of a you-know-what, Josep Maria Bartomeu, I believe is how you say his name. I don't even care. I could care less about how he's pronounced. He is gone, and the entire board of directors is gone, which – is huge for the club. I mean, this is a massive, massive turnaround simply because, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, Barcelona has been the laughing stock of Europe. I mean, for probably the last five years, honestly, I mean, they've had some horrendous collapses. They've been beaten senseless by teams like. Want to take it quickly, Ricky? Unnecessary thing. <laughs> unnecessary commentary from Ethan there. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is huge. I mean, this is one of those things I also think like if Messi finally looks happy. As I know Ethan was we were talking about it earlier. This is huge for Messi. I mean, this is a win for Messi. This is one of those things where maybe he's gonna stay for the for the next coming years. I mean, Barcelona looks very good in the Champions League so far. They've played a couple of weak sides. Uh, I mean, well, Juventus isn't weak, but you know, without Ronaldo, they're a shell of themselves, I should say. I mean, it's a win for it's a win for Barca though. I mean, if you think about it, yes, it's a win for Messi because he's gonna be playing better, but Messi doesn't really care. At this point, he's done almost everything he can for Barcelona. Messi, yes, he's going to be playing better, and yes, it's a win because he loves the sport of soccer, but it's a win for Barca because if he's playing well and playing at the level that he's playing today, 
Barca are right back there because they have the talent. The team just needs to have the drive and motivation, and maybe this is what ends up giving them that. It's for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's too bad also that, that um, he also, the, part, the outgoing press also just had to drop in there right as he was leaving that Barca had agreed to join that European Super League nonsense. Yeah, bad. I did see that, which is quite the L. But also, I will, I will say getting Bartomeu out is probably the best thing for this club. It's going to move it forward in the right direction because, I mean, I was looking at some of the things that he's done, and it made me sick. I mean, some of the signings, the amount of money he's given to players that clearly don't deserve that money and just how he's invested in the club is just – is truly awful. I mean, I'm sure Alvin can understand with Manchester United with some of the things they've done recently. But, I mean, my Lord, it, Barcelona, they've lost the respect. And I'm hoping that the next director's next um, president, you know, understands the culture and can bring some of that respect back to the camp now because, you know, this is one of those teams that they're arguably, you know, the most storied – club in the entire world yeah for sure and Bosky, you might as well just move us into the Premier League recap from last week Aston Villa zero Leeds United three yeah I mean from one Argentine-led team to another we go to Leeds United and I mean against the Aston Villa side that's been as hot as anyone in the Prem I mean they, they, they were undefeated going into the weekend and Leeds United truly dominated them I mean it was it was surprising I don't think any of us thought that was going to happen at halftime I believe it was 0-0 but Leeds were playing well and then Patrick Bamford just exploded and he's been sensational this year he's, he's one of the bright spots in the Premier League this season but I think it's I think it's the play the midfield and, and, the, and the playmaking ability of some of those players that has just been sensational for Leeds I mean they've really surprised me I mean I think they're fourth right now Grant I think they have a game in hand but they're they're, they're just impressive to watch, and especially against a team like Aston Villa, who's been as hot as ever. Very impressive win. Nick, you came in really excited into the Zoom call, probably because Champions League got your hopes up. Sorry to make you think back to Saturday, but what did you think? Part for the course in the Premier League, unfortunately, for City. You control possession, you dominate the rest of the thing, and then you, uh, you, know, you forget to score. And that's a problem when you forget to score, because when you forget to score, you're not going to win too many games. And... Thankfully, good old Phil Foden decided to score in the second half. Otherwise, this would have been an extremely embarrassing result for City. And it, it really is just uh, unfortunate, hard for the course. It, we just can't seem to get to, to bring together strings of wins in the Premier League. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, when this table gets back to normal with the bigger teams close to the top, that's not an if, that's a when. City's going to have to be stringing together multiple wins in a row to get up there. And I'm hoping it starts against Sheffield this next week because I was really hoping to get a lot more out of that West Ham match than what I got. Very disappointing. It is important to point out that West Ham have been pretty good. But, yes, and as a team like Man City, they definitely should be winning that game. But what a goal for Mikel Antonio. Wow. Absolute stunner. After that, Fulham – Lost to Crystal Palace 2-1. Fulham continue their woes. Crystal Palace, Wilfred Zaha continues to shine for them. Alvin, the next game is on you. It was supposed to be the best game of the weekend, and it was anything but. Yeah, it really was a tug of war almost. Both teams, you know, bringing out, uh, you know, the, Chelsea obviously with all their firepower. You know, I, you know, I was disappointed, you know, to see that players, again, Greenwood, Van de Beek, uh, this time we had Cavani on the bench. You know, players that really should be playing. 
uh, or not, Twanzibi, who came off an amazing game against PSG. Everyone was calling for, uh, for him to start, and it seems like, you know, him and uh, the partnership between Maguire and Lindelof is there to stay. But I, as a United fan, I will say, personally, I did see that we had a little more of an in- intention to attack, to play. Uh, Werner and Havertz seemed a little underwhelming to me, and they were taking off in the second half, in the second half excuse me, without uh, much to say. And once Cavani came on, once we got on some good substitutes, United looked like a really threatening team, a really dangerous team. And I must say, you know, I, we talked a lot of smack about the Cavani transfer, but I think that it is a signing that could add a lot, you know, of excitement to the attack. When you're in the last half hour and you need a new uh, you know, attacker to add on, you need to score a goal, you know, what's worse for a defense to see Edinson Cavani, you know, lacing up the boots and coming on the pitch. You know, I don't think anyone would want to, you know, deal with that. And I think it's good from uh, United to, that they can have someone like him to do that. I think, you know, we'll take a point against Chelsea, but we need looking forward to grab points. And now we have a game against Arsenal where it's another hard team. And, you know, I can't see us, uh, not giving up on our chance of getting to the top four so early on. I'm surprised that as a United, I guess you're a United fan, not a Chelsea fan, that you didn't talk about the horrendous tackle from Harry Maguire that somehow wasn't awarded as a penalty. Yeah, how, yeah, how does think, like, as a Man United fan, VAR, no? The VAR has proven that not only are the issues of, to the rules, but isn't when it should be used, it's not being used. And how do we even fix that? How do we fix it when the main issue is not using it when it's still there. Because uh, you can't go back on that. You know, I, you know, anyone can say that was a blatant foul, blatant penalty. Uh, whatever happened after that, you know, who knows. But I think, you know, there, there was another penalty against Bruno Fernandes, you know, that wasn't called, that they should have used VAR for as well. This is football. This is something that, you know, no, neither side will be happy by the end of the 90 minutes, you know, regardless. And that's the problem right now is it's not really VAR that's the problem. It's more who's using it and how they're using exactly, it. Yeah. And at the same time, it's not like this is one team that's ending up not happy. It seems like most of these times it's both teams. Like both teams are not happy with how the officiating went, which at that point you need to change. And talking about VAR, Liverpool once again had another VAR call for the second weekend in a row that is – I mean, it, it was absurd. It was once again a disgusting call that is just unbelievable – that you come to that conclusion after looking at it for multiple times in a row where one, it wasn't in the box and two, it wasn't even a foul. So who cares where it was committed if it wasn't a foul in the first place. And so, yes, maybe it was in the box. Like, I mean, if you look at it again, you could argue that it's on the line. One foot is on the line. So maybe you consider it in the box, but the fact that VAR looks at that and that's why I think it's who's using it. Maybe it's the rules of how you're using it because I still think, it's not necessarily always who's using it. Sometimes it definitely is, but I think they have rules in place that's very similar with the handballs at the beginning of the year where the rules are in place to a point that they're just following the rules and the rules happen to be terrible because in this case, the person looks at it and he's not even wondering if it's a foul or not because for some reason, the rules for VARs, he's looking at is it a penalty or not? Is it inside the penalty box? When Fabinho gets the ball fair and square and it's not even a penalty. So it's, it was a disgraceful call. Sheffield United went up 1-0. Liverpool did really well to fight back. They honestly, after that goal, it kind of shook them. I think before that goal, Liverpool were doing really well. They had a bunch of chances, and then 
that goal goes in and they looked terrible uh, outside of maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold. And then in the second half, they looked a little better. The Jota goal, um, that was a nice goal right at the end. The Firmino goal right at half was big as well. Firmino scoring at Anfield, who would have guessed it's a collector's item. But um, the Jota goal at the end was big. Another Jota goal, somehow he keeps going and he's just fit in perfectly. But yeah, VAR was once again the talking point after the Liverpool game, which is not really what you want to be talking about. You want to be talking about the game. But Nick, we'll move on to you. Southampton 2, Everton nil. Can I just say before I get into the Southampton match that I had a look at the ref assignments for next week's games. Boy, am I not happy that David Kutz is Shane again. If you listened last week, you know that this man is not someone that should be officiating the Prem right now. He's officiating the Burnley-Chelsea match next week, so I know we'll get it to later on in the program, but oh boy, is that, is that not good? Southampton and Everton, Danny Ings, couple of assists. I know Ethan freaking loves the guy, uh, but two goals from Southampton. Uh, this was a, a very well done match on the part of Southampton, pretty much controlling the game uh, almost from start to finish. And those, those two first-half goals carried them through. And that's the kind of game you need to be playing if you're Southampton, the kind of game you're looking to avoid if you're Everton trying to hold on to some position at, the, uh, near, at or near the top of the table. And is this – I mean, I'll ask everyone, but is this – at this point, are you saying that Everton are pretenders if they're losing 2-0 to Southampton, or is this just a fluke? Uh, I think it's a fluke, personally. I mean – Yes, they didn't play well, but I think they've shown this year that they are here to stay, and they've they put in too many good performances against some uh, very solid teams. To even suggest the fact that they're a, that they're I guess a fluke in a sense. I mean, even the game against Liverpool, they drew. They didn't play particularly well, but they definitely showed a lot. They showed life, and they showed that they definitely were, you know, they're definitely competing. I think this was just a fluke, and especially in uh, this year's prime, there have been so many results that are so unpredictable I think it's kind of hard to pin uh you know a fluke or, or something on on one based on one game I would agree I would agree moving on Wolves won Newcastle won I think this is an interesting game just because a lot of people kind of I think counted out Newcastle at the beginning of the season and then they had a couple signings after the season had started that were huge signings for them and I think it's they're just a team that is able to grit out results now with the likes of Callum Wilson Ryan Frazier coming in, a lot of other talent on their team that they're just able to grind out results. And this was one of those results where Wolves definitely were the better team and they continued to fight. They got their goal and then Newcastle off of just kind of a little cheeky free kick from Jacob Murphy end up getting, you know, getting a point out of the game, which I think is big for Newcastle and probably less so for Wolves just because Wolves will want to be winning this game. They're in a similar place as Everton if they want to be at or near the top of that table, which they probably do considering the trajectory they've been going on in the last few years. They need to be winning games like this. So it's an interesting game in that factor. But I think it was a it was a good game from Wolves, but they just weren't able to finish, which was an interesting one, other than an absolute superb strike from Raul Jimenez. But we'll move on to Alvin. Probably uh, was supposed to be another one of the games of the weekend, and it was pretty good, but Arsenal 0, Leicester City 1. Yeah, this was one of these games, you know, you just hate to be an Arsenal fan, and it was typical Arsenal. You know, I think on paper we can both agree that they're Leicester and Arsenal are very similar, but Arsenal should have had enough to edge Leicester, I believe. They piled on the pressure, terrible finishing, though. And it's an issue that we're seeing with a lot of the top six clubs, right? That, you know, a lot of chances being created, but they're unable to, you know, uh, make the most of them. 
Arsenal wasn't make, able to make the most of piling on, you know, the pressure. Uh, Leicester weathered the storm. And second half came around. All you need is a little bit of Vardy magic, you know. And that's all it took. Quick as you like it. And Arsenal was not able – that was a, a, a blow for them. They were not uh, – did not have the same tenacity in attacking, uh, you know, in t- intentions as they did, like, as in the first half. And looking on in the season, as you said, this is very early. Anyone can get three points from anyone. I think uh, Leicester should, you know, take this in uh, very well that they can beat a team like Arsenal, three, uh, you know, with one nil, get three points. We still have to see how this uh, plays out for Arsenal now because it's a little worrisome that you're still losing games like this where, you know, Arteta should be have addressed problems. Yeah, for sure. And I think Arsenal, it's not necessarily something they should panic about, but also Leicester City-wise, Sen, I don't know how to say his name, Senjus Under, I guess, he got the assist. Yeah. That could be an interesting signing for them if he's able to really come on as maybe they would hope him. On Monday, Brighton won, West Brom won. That's a big point for West Brom, just knowing they can score goals, especially from a signing like Carlin Grant, who they're probably going to look to for most of their goals. He didn't get much service. He got one little bit of service and capitalized on it. And to end off the recap, we'll go back to Bosky, who started it. Title Tottenham, as he likes to call them. They gritted out a win. Uh, Yeah, title Tottenham, top four Tottenham. Either way, three points Tottenham is what uh, eventually became – and it was, it was a gritty win. I mean, Burnley definitely showed that they, you know, they were there to play. And Tottenham looked – it they didn't ever look dead in the water at any point. But, you know, at, at, there were some time points where, you know, Burnley were – they were playing well. And I thought maybe they had a couple of chances here and there to score. But, um, you know, their back line was keeping their shape. They are playing well. And, you know what, it's second half. Again, it's Shin Min Sun scoring another goal. Harry came with the assist. I wouldn't say it's like a typical assist. It definitely could have been anyone that could have been on the other end of it. But, I mean, he's been so electric this season. I, I, I definitely did not see this level of play um, coming into the season from him and Son. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but the reaction to when he found out Harry Kane got the assist was yeah. priceless. It was, it, was, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, the connection they've had is is – arguably best in the world right now for any, uh, any pairing. I mean, they've been amazing. At the end of the day, three points for Tottenham in a, in a very, very solid game. And they sit at fifth currently. So they're top five Tottenham currently, but I'm predicting it'll be top four. All right. We'll move on from the recap. It was a good weekend of Premier League soccer, maybe a little less than some would have expected. Maybe the, honestly, probably the least exciting of the season so far, but player rankings, We'll move on to player of the week. Who wants to go first? I mean, I can go first, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, at least someone will agree with me here. Patrick Bamford, you know, had to be player of the week. He uh, showed that you don't have to be, uh, you know, the star to even be, be you, know, uh, you know, instead of being our underrated player. He, he takes it all for me, and he won that single-handedly in a second half. And I think he deserves that fully. If I had to go with my underrated player, I liked Jacob Murphy. You know, I was just looking back at uh, some statistics, you know, what players did I see that, uh, you know, made an impact that I wouldn't have uh, imagined. And he started for Newcastle and had amazing uh, offensive uh, stats and, you know, really played well besides obviously getting, a, you know, for his team. All right, Bob, or Nick, go ahead. 
Yeah, it's hard to go against what Bamford did. Just a spectacular performance. And not only is it the hat trick, but I think he sort of exposed Ashton Villa. And that exposure is going to make things extremely difficult for Villa for the rest of the season. I really think Bamford did not just a job in the game, but potentially gave opponent attacks the key to getting by Villa. And, and of course, Bamford had some of the most ridiculous goals of the entire weekend. Uh, major props to him. Uh, my underrated is going to be Jao Cancelo. And no, that's not just because I'm a City fan. But, you know, many people look at the uh, performance of Foden with the goal, but Cancelo with the assist. And he did a lot of work nearly everywhere else on the pitch. Easily, I mean, if, if not the best player in the pitch for City, easily the second best player in the pitch. And he definitely uh, did a lot of things right on a day where a lot of things didn't go as planned. And so I definitely think Jao Cancelo needs to be considered. And, and that's not considering the fact that I think he really proved himself as well on a team that is normally uh, not necessarily stacked at the fullbacks, but in an area to where he may not get as much time um, with, with other players getting in the mix. I definitely think this is a much needed performance for, for Jao Cancelo to really prove himself to Pep that he is deserving of more consistent playing time. And that fight for that position will be interesting. I think Kinsella made a big first statement. And I'll just say it, get Mendy gone. Uh, Kinsella, I mean, you, you can even convert Ake. I don't really care. Uh, but they, I think it proved the point, too, that Benjamin Mendy was like, what the heck is he doing every week? And I think Jao Kinsella is a pretty good guy to step in there and take that role over and get Mendy the heck out of the Etihad. <laughs> All right, boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something against him. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, yeah, player of the week, uh, Pat Bamford. I think, you know, enough's been said about him already this week. Sensational performance, sensational hat trick. But my underrated player actually is a goalie, and I chose Eduardo Mendy for Chelsea um, for the simple fact that I mean, he not only has he been good this season, but, I mean, compared to where Keppa was at, it, it really shows you how poor Keppa was and how, you know, how much of a, a handicap he really was to this Chelsea team. I mean, Mendy is not only making, you know, fine saves, making good decisions, but he's not, he's not making dumb decisions. And I think at this point for Chelsea, that's all, they, all you can ask for. I mean, Keppa was really just – like, he was honestly losing games, conceding goals, and just very, very dumb, uh, making dumb, uh, dumb, you know, decisions, I guess. But Eduardo Mendy, he's, I think he's been sensational this year, and I deserve a shout, especially because, you know, he's come in. Not many people knew who he was, and he's just, you know, he's been a very, very good keeper. That's definitely a good shout, especially since what he's impacted for Chelsea so far. Sure. was left, and he's come in. I knew everyone was going to pick Pat Bamford, so I went some, with someone else. So I low-key have two underrated players of the week. But I went with Danny Ings. Nick talked about my love for him earlier in the show. I think they upset Everton, and it's an Everton team that was top of the table. So I just feel like someone on that team needs to get some sort of recognition. And Danny Ings had two assists. And he's just one of those players that you love to have on your team because every time I watch Southampton, he's making the big play, blocking it off the line, and he's making the big play on the other side of the field scoring goals and making assists. He's just a hard worker. 
and he's key for that Southampton team to get anything out of the season, even though Shea Adams, if he starts scoring, is going to be big for them because they won't have to be as reliant as they've been on him. But my underrated player of the week, I kind of went with Nick here. I went with someone on my team, but he actually ended up making his team win, unlike Cancelo. But uh, Jordan Henderson, he was uh, – he was immense versus Sheffield United. I thought he, uh, a team, someone, he almost, he wasn't like him because he's different than anyone else that Liverpool have in the midfield, but he was very similar to Thiago in the fact that he had very quick passing. He was creating the tempo for the team. And I think without Jordan Henderson, Liverpool probably tie or lose that game even just because of his quick passing. And I think it just shows how far Jordan Henderson has come because he's not making those passes two or three years ago like he was a great player he worked hard but now he's actually technically very good and very a lot better than I even expect from Jordan Henderson I think it was last year that he really started making passes like that where he was getting these crazy assists from long balls I remember a particular one where I was like all right Jordan Henderson's good now was a it was a long ball to Oxford Chamberlain I think against Burnley and it was just on the dot and he made a couple of those passes yesterday not necessarily for assists but it was just it was – he's looking like he's better than anyone would have expected two or three years ago. But we'll move on to banter of the week, probably our best segment, all of our favorite segments, I would assume. Um, I guess I'll go first since I'm already talking. I can't say it on air, but uh, Jamie Vardy decided to wear some shin guards. And, of course, he started on the subs bench this weekend. And he said it – I believe it was in the championship season where he said, chat blank. Uh, get I don't even know if I could say that one uh chat blank get banged and um he wore those shin guards and then it went on and uh scored the winner so I felt like that was a pretty good banter and then I saw later on in the week that Son Hyun Min actually has as many goals as Arsenal this year you know as the top four Tottenham that they are Son Hyun Min is a big part of that so we'll move on to Alvin no yeah so for me it was a really funny moment you know in the Brighton West Brom game which for me was like you know I was not expecting anything to come out of that game but Brighton's first goal, uh, you know, was just out of, like, a FIFA game. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all saw that game. But it was just, like, you know, the cross into Lamptey. Lamptey crosses in. First, a shot that's deflected. Then another shot that comes in. And when it's crossed in from Lamptey, you know, he tries to clear it out. And then it hits his, the defender uh, right in the face into the net. You know, disastrous for West Brom's defense, which I think is a pretty much a, is a good uh, – title you know that goal of what's pretty much gonna happen in their season uh you know just nothing going their way and for me you know i i recommend you guys to take a look at that goal because it definitely gave me a laugh i feel like it's just interesting to see ivanovic in the premier league again too like i would have never expected him to be back i know like it wasn't his fault that, that goal was just one of those where it just happens but like it really was now that you say it, it was a, it was definitely a people it was FIFA. I know because I'm sick of EA Sports right now. So I know FIFA goal when I see one. <laughs> All right. Nick, Twitter banter of the week. Yes, here we go. And Christian Lucian Gladback Center was taking absolute dubs all day against Real Madrid. And it all started pre-match when the Champions League account tweeted the Champions League boss for Real Madrid going in saying that they had never lost four Champions League games in a row. Here comes the Gladbox admin, neither have we, shrugging shoulders. <laughs> they were taking dubs all day long. It was one of those things, another big tweet that they had was a quote tweeting someone that 
flee and thorough or, or perfect replacements for Lacassa and Aubameyang. Here comes Gladbox admin. We never had Lacassa and Aubameyang, though. Absolute <laughs> dub. And eventually, when things didn't go their way in that second half, it was they used the perfect gifts at the absolute right times. And even after someone had called him the player of the match, they used a perfect clip saying, and it said, I'll just go cry in the bathroom now. Absolute dubs all day coming from Borussia Bucci and Gladbach on Twitter, even though they couldn't hold on for the win against Real Madrid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always best when they somehow figure out a way to catch dubs, even when they're losing and they're bottling a game like that. But, Bosky, we'll go ahead to you for the last one. Uh, yeah, so I had two. First of all, one quick one is I don't know if you guys are listening to the Arsenal lesser commentary, but I just thought it was funny when Jamie Vardy scored. I don't know who the commentator was, but he literally said, like, game over. Like, it was like the 94th minute, like, and Vardy scored. Like, literally, I think he scored and was just like, oh, and here's the winner, and it's game over. And he scored, basically, when Arsenal had, like, 10 or so minutes to go, which is, which is I found funny because it was just like the, even the commentator knew that Arsenal's attack was hopeless. And yeah. I just, I don't know, I thought that was pretty funny. But for my main one, I, I was actually uh, Juventus Twitter um, going at it with Barcelona. Um, it all started with Barcelona basically saying, you know, we're looking forward to seeing the goat on your pitch tomorrow. Basically insinuating, you know, Messi can be obviously playing in turn. And I don't know what Juventus was thinking, but they, they replied and said, we prefer seeing this, this other wonderful left-footed Argentine with a picture of Dybala. And, I mean, well, Dybala is pretty good. Like, I mean, big yikes. Also, then, and then they um, – obviously, they lost the game, and Barcelona basically tweeted out, we're glad – we were glad you were able to see the GOAT on the pitch tonight and, and tag Juventus. Oh, didn't they say your and pitch so, tonight? Uh, uh, yes, on your pitch. It was just absolutely ruthless. Yeah, literally, Barcelona Twitter did not care at all. And, you know, big L for Juventus Twitter, especially uh, comparing Messi and Dybala. I found that pretty – We Twitter at all times, don't we, guys? Yeah. Just straight dubs all the time. True. All right, we'll move on to the preview of this week in the Premier League. First game, another Friday game, which, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of vibing with the whole four days of Premier League soccer. Get a game on Friday, two games on Saturday, four games on Sunday, and then another two games on Monday. I'm vibing with it. So we'll start Friday, Wolves versus Crystal Palace. Interesting game. Uh, Wolves need to start performing if they want to be where they were last year. Crystal Palace have been doing pretty well. Of course, might be fighting relegation if they – end up going there on Saturday. The day starts off just like the last Saturday started off with Manchester City. Nick, talk about it. This is a game that City needs to win. And I know I was, you know, not worrying a bit about West Ham last week. Everything's going to be fine. And then, bam, draw. I'm like, whoa, okay. That wasn't the proper wake-up call I was expecting. Uh, but this is going to be a little interesting than that, though, because last season – uh, City didn't exactly run riot on Sheffield either. 2-0 uh, in the first meeting, 1-0 in the second. So Sheffield does play competitive with City. Uh, though 
this year it may be a little different. I would say last year's Sheffield United team really hit it out of the park. This year they are struggling a bit more. So it will be interesting to see if City can actually take that step and put on a similar performance as they did in Champions League against Marseille. For sure. And Sheffield United, like you said, they've been struggling this year. So it'll be an interesting one. After that, Burnley play Chelsea. Should be interesting to see if Chelsea, like you said, with Manchester City, if they can come off with that strong Champions League performance. Burnley doing all right recently. Definitely not playing to the level that people might expect from them. They didn't make that many signings. Maybe it's coming back to haunt them. Who knows? The next game on Saturday, the last one, Liverpool versus West Ham. It should be a good game. I mean, West Ham have been playing good recently. They started off kind of struggling at the beginning of the year or beginning of the season. Uh, since then, they've put in some pretty spectacular performances. Uh, Jared Bowen, I know Alvin's talked about him a couple times on the show. Mikel Antonio is always going to be a problem, especially depending on who Liverpool actually have for the center back position. Well, Mikel Antonio can cause all sorts of problems to just about any center back in the league. So that'll be interesting. Um, I, I do find it interesting just to see who they're going to start and who's going to be available at center back. If Matip's out, who starts? Do they really start Reese Williams? Is Kometio back? I think I saw something the other day that Kometio's just back from being injured. So maybe he ends up coming in. Maybe Henderson plays center back. Uh, I do think Tiago's supposed to be back for that game. I think he's similar to Matip, though. It might end up being more of a game-time decision. If Tiago's back, that'll definitely help. But uh, it should be a good one, especially with how injury-plagued Liverpool's team is. So it should be interesting. After that, Sunday starts. Aston Villa are going to look to respond from their pummeling from Leeds United against Southampton, who, of course, upset Everton last week. Newcastle play Everton. That should be a good one. Newcastle found out a way to get points against Wolves. Everton are tied at top of the table with Merseyside rivals Liverpool. And then Alvin, Man U versus Arsenal. Another big one for Man U two weeks in a row. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think another headliner uh, of the match week. And I think this is going to be another great game. Uh, Arsenal and United are kind of in two different uh, realities. Arsenal coming from, from the loss against Leicester. No uh, real, you know, big appearance in European football as United has had to play against Leipzig and PSG. PSG have, have uh, sorry, not PSG, United have come off of a pretty strong, you know, uh, few few wins and so I really think that this all depends on how the players are feeling on the day and the big players how Aubameyang is going to feel on the day let's see if they you know I know a lot of Arsenal fans are going to be waiting for Tomas they want to see Tomas party you know in the midfield see how uh, you know like as I can actually finish because uh, he's been terrible you know pretty much uh, ever since that first game that he scored a couple um, and for United you know this is I think we showed that when you put the best players on the pitch, as we were talking today, Ethan, you win matches and you win them well. I think a lot, all he gets a lot of, uh, you know, hate uh, when we're not playing well. When we're playing well, we've proven that we've, we can score a lot of goals. We can score them late on. We can score them early on. We can score them at whenever time. So I really think that this is a moment that United should look into playing Van de Beek, Pogba, Bruno all together. Look to play, you know, Maguire and Twanzi. Seeing all the players that have played well, seeing how they gel. You know, Alex Tay is unfortunately, you know, has contracted coronavirus. So he won't be in, uh, most likely, you know, for the 
Uh, it's 23 yeah, players. And Luke Shaw at left back. Yes, sir. So, yeah, and we'll see, you know, if we decide to play Luke Shaw, you know, in the back three, um, as we did against PSG and maybe Brandon Williams comes in. Who knows? All I know is that Rashford needs to show up. Bruno needs to show up. And I think Edinson Cavani is hungry for his first goal. He had minutes against uh, uh, Chelsea. He's had minutes against today against Red Bull Leipzig. I think it's time for him to, to grab one of those famous headers. Yeah, I mean, as you said, you guys bought Donny van de Beek for a reason. I mean, he's 40 million. That guy's a heck of a talent. I mean, he's been sought after by almost every top European club, it seems, at least in rumors over transfers. So, I mean, that was a big coup, and you guys aren't even playing him. Maybe he needs time to settle in, which maybe makes sense. But I just think United are too often not playing their best players. And, you know, if you have Pogba, yes, he hasn't been performing well, but, like, he should be. He's definitely good enough. He's the best player we have, without a doubt. If he's not performing, there's a bigger problem than him, I feel like. Like, Maybe it's him. Maybe it's his attitude. But figure out how to get what he did for France out of him. Figure that out. And if you can get that out, you're going to be way better than if you can't get it out of him. He shows that in the 20, you know, 30-minute intervals that he comes in, but he can't sustain it through the 90 minutes. I think all he sees that, and it's so disappointing because, as he said, you know, this is a World Cup winner. Uh, he's a star, and when he's on the ball, there's no doubt that he changes, you know, the match for us. For a reason, United scores a lot of goals late on, and it's when, you know, we make these substitutions that bringing on these players that can make a difference, that are quick, and have the fitness to to sustain in those final minutes. Yeah, and I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Why can he not play for 90 minutes? He did it for France, and he's the exact player that you guys need. If you can stick him and he plays at defensive mid like he did for France, yes, he had Matuidi with him, but I feel like that could work with him and Van de Beek. If you ask Van de Beek to maybe do a little bit more defensive work, that could be the best midfielder in the Premier League if they just figured out how to use him. For some reason, they're just allowing him to not be the Pogba that he can be. And for me, I don't even think it's a figure out how to use them. Uh, football is amazing because when good players get together, it works. Football works. And so I really believe that we need to put Bruno, Van der Beek, Pogba together. And if you name those three in the middle, I mean, I don't think there's any doubts in the world that they won't have any chemistry coming together, stringing together nice passes, pushing forward. These are all proven players uh, in the Champions League even. Uh, so, you know, it really is no doubt. We just need to, you know, put it to the test. I completely agree. And we'll move on just because of time constraints that we have here at uh, Blaze Radio. But, I mean, you know, we love to see it. Bosky, uh, quote-unquote, top four Brighton versus Bri- – or top four Tottenham versus Brighton. Top wow. four Brighton. Um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a mistake there, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you, I mean, if you, if you mean top four chances of getting relegated, I would agree with that. <laughs> They've been playing well. They've been playing well. They haven't gotten the results. Um, well, I mean, on paper, I think it's pretty clear. This is a game Tottenham should, and I say, and I think will win. But, you know, in, in this environment, you know, who knows? We've seen a lot of the top six clubs dropping points left and right to teams that have, you know, that are below them. You know, they've been playing down to their competition. But if Tottenham is going to keep up this top four Tottenham name, they're going to have to be beating teams like Brighton. They're going to have to take, you know, take some of these games and impose their will upon, you know, the weaker teams in the Prem, like a Brighton. And, you know, this is one of those games where, it, it, again, it goes down to does Tottenham have the character that I think that they do have, but are they, are, are they going to show 
they had the character, you know, the Jose Mourinho style of play where it may be boring, but you're eventually going to get those three points. And I think this is – well, again, like I said, while Tottenham on paper should win this one, I think it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But I'm excited to see where Tottenham's going to go from here. Yeah, for sure. And then moving on to Monday, the two games. Once again, they put a game on Monday that is maybe not the best for neutral fans. Last week, Boski said he wasn't going to watch a game. I would assume he's not going to watch this one if he wasn't going to watch the one last week. Fulham versus West Brom, literally the two worst teams in the Premier League up to this point. Not sure why they'd put that on the – you know, whatever. But then they followed it up with Leeds United versus Leicester City, which is probably one of the best games of the weekend. So <laughs> – Leeds United facing off against a strong Leicester City team that have grown and grown to a team that are truly one of the top teams in the league. Does anyone have anything to say about this? I mean, it's no doubt that these are two of the most you know, attractive playing teams. A uh, Leicester team that has amazing players and knows how to pass the ball and has very nice flowing, almost tiki-taka-esque players. I mean, it comes easy when you have players like Tielemans in the midfield. And a Leeds uh, team who really is just great in every way, but they're pressing and their unrelentless, uh, you know, attack is are the things to really take the take the most out of. So I think that in a match like this, you know, as we said, this is going to be who slips up, who can sustain con- uh, the concentration and maintain the levels necessary the entire 90 minutes. Because as we said, football is something that can happen, you know, it's a long uh, season, long game. You need to sustain throughout the whole period in order to, you know, see the fruits of your results. Yeah, and I think, I think another key to this game is, you know, what lesser are we going to get? I mean, they're so – it seems like they're so inconsistent uh, a lot of the time, especially, I mean, against, you know, a team like Leeds who's been playing well. They've obviously – they're very well coached. They're, you know, they're tactically very, uh, tactically very, very solid. But again, what Leicester are we going to, are we going to get the Leicester against Arsenal that, that really shut down an Arsenal attack and Arsenal midfield that has a lot of talent? Are we going to get a Leicester that, you know, concedes three or three or four or five goals sometimes? I think that's another thing to look at. And I'll be curious to see uh, what Bamford can pull off for a sequel if they do anything uh, against Leicester. Um, but, this is a Leicester team that has turned into, like Ethan says, you know, a, a very formidable side. And both of these teams have the form right now that in place over the course of the last five. Uh, but it, this is going to be an extremely intriguing match. Definitely a match um, of the Premier League of yesteryear uh, here. And this is something that, Thank God it's on television and not on Peacock. And by the way, I know you have all kinds of commitments, NBC, and goodness, we love you for that. But two televised matches on Monday, and you're only going to put the one on Sunday? Uh, seriously? Um, yeah, I don't think anybody is waking up at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern so go on, get on their computer, type in their Peacock username and password for Ashton Villa, Southampton. That's the reason why it's there. We get it. But it's even worse when four and a half hours later, it's Maynard Arsenal on Peacock. <laughs> Hello? We see the problem here putting big matches on Peacock, guys, and not on TV. 
I swear it's every week it's the best game is on Peacock too. Like I feel like it would be the other way. It is. It literally is. It's always the best game. It and they do that on purpose. You know, that's it's always the twelve o'clock game. You know, it just it ru- it literally ruins my day. I'll go on and I'll check my NBC Gold, and then I'll just be like, wait, wait, where did you know Man U Chelsea go? Oh, it's on Peacock, and then I'm just like, oh well, that sucks. Like, time to go to the Reddit. To- Reddit streams. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, you uh, can't go wrong with Reddit streams, but it's nice to sometimes be completely live. And exactly, yeah, exactly. No, and, not, and not reading the chat on the side of a Reddit stream, which oh, is just yeah. beyond cancer. I apologize <laughs> if that uh, offends anyone, but <laughs> it literally, like, I'm not even kidding. Uh, I was watching, I was watching uh, the, the Tottenham game last week, and I literally, like, forgot to watch the game because I was so just boggled by what the chat was saying. Like, it was just outrageous. Everyone in the world, you know, in a melting pot, it doesn't matter. And that's a beautiful thing about football, right? It's like anyone in the world can come together. I don't know if that's beautiful. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? That's what I'm saying. Someone said something about politics, and then next thing you know, it's World War III. You know? (laughs) (laughs) The best thing about Reddit streams is when you get there on preseason games, and it's just random players, and people are, like, attacking these random players that have never played for the club before. It's like, what is No, I think it's funny. It's like, you'll see, like, you know, you see, like, oh, like, Harry Kane is better than Danny Ings. And then, like, three things down, it's like, World War III is imminent. Like, it's like, what? Oh, my God. All right. Well, we're going to end the show – how we end the show every single time with the predictions, our Premier League predictions. Um, safe to say last week we didn't do very well. We posted it on social media. If you checked it out, check us out on social media. Yeah, Twitter, add that, add that. And Instagram. I forget the ads. I think it's banter clock PL for uh, Instagram, and it's like banter underscore clock for Twitter. But I went three for ten. Bosky went four for ten, which was the best on the week. Alvin went two for ten. Oh. Nick went four for 10, which was tied with Bosky for the best of the week. And let's just say we're not doing great in predictions. I'm at 10 points in last with Michael, who's also at 10. Alvin's at 12. And Nick apparently is the genius of us all at 15. So I want to see us come May, all right? All right. We'll see it when it comes May. We got about six minutes left in the show. <laughs> so let's do this kind of fast. But time for predictions this week. If you're listening, you might as well turn it off because we're going to get them wrong. But listen through just to, you know, be able to yell at us uh, next week when we get them all wrong. But first game of the weekend, Wolves versus Crystal Palace. I really doubt everything that I've ever said on predictions. But right now, for some reason, my gut, I'm just going to go with my gut for every single pick. I forgot to pick this week, not going to lie. So, uh, Wolves, I'm going to go with Wolves. I can go next. I'm going to go with a draw for this one. I'm going with a draw as well. Uh, Wolves have had trouble scoring outside of Raul, Alonso Jimenez, and I don't see them changing that. Yeah, and their form hasn't been that school-scoring prowess either. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just stick with the comfortable draw here. Well, shucks. Uh, knowing our luck, <laughs> that probably means Crystal Palace are coming out winners in that one. On Saturday, Sheffield United versus Man City. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Man City on this one. Yeah, I think, you know, Man City have just shown too much. And even a Sheffield United side that was able to get in front of Liverpool – I didn't even have enough to hold on to the results. I have faith in City for this one. Yeah, Sheffield United have one point on the year, and it's going to remain like that. (laughs) And City, easily. (laughs) Easy. 
God, let City win this. Please, God, I'm begging you. Please. Alrighty. So, Sheffield United <laughs> will win that one as well. Burnley versus Chelsea. Um, as much as I want to go Chelsea, and that's my my brain telling me that, my gut is saying draw. So, I'm going to go draw. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's what the Premier League season has taught us so far. I think, uh, you know, just because you went draw – no, I, I have to. St- I have to stick with my gut, and that's gonna be a Chelsea route. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't see. I don't see Burnley and Sean Dyche doing much. Uh, I agree. Uh, Chelsea, 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 three points easily, probably by three goals as well. Chelsea win for Mike Watford two point zero, also known as David Coot, to do something very stupid yet again. Which means Burnley will probably win off of a very, very controversial VAR car call. All right. Liverpool versus West Ham. I got to go with Liverpool. Of course, you have to go with Liverpool. This is a really entertaining game. And to be honest, I feel Liverpool, uh, these are the type of matches that they might fall in. I'm going to go with the Joe. Yeah, I agree. I think with the injuries Liverpool have sustained, I want us to pick Liverpool, but, you know, I just something about it in my, in my heart is saying draw, and I'm not going to go away from that. I'm saying draw. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, Ethan looks in so much pain right now. <laughs> no, I'll have that pain really quickly and get Liverpool uh, there as my pick. All right. So, once again, that probably means West Ham gets the win, guys. Good job. We uh, did well on that one as well. Aston Villa versus Southampton. This one is a tough one, man. As much as I want to go draw, I just have a feeling this isn't going to be a draw. And as much as I want to go Southampton, I have a feeling Villa are going to respond. I'm going to go Aston Villa. You know, I just feel like I agree with you, Ethan, completely. You know, Aston Villa have proven that they're good enough to be top four so far. And I think Southampton is going to be on a roller coaster of a season. It's going to be like this for a while. Aston After Villa. Ethan's confusing soliloquy, I've decided to go with a draw. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I think that Bamford exposed Villa for I mean, potentially for the rest of the season in comparison to uh, their opponents. And I think that Southampton is on too good of form to drop all three points. But I also think they'll bounce back, at least in part. I do think it's going to be a draw. Dang it. I was really hoping we actually decided to pick both teams for once. But that means Southampton's winning that one. Newcastle versus Everton. Um, Tough one. And just because I feel like doing this, not because I think this is actually going to happen, Newcastle win. (laughs) <laughs> all right if you get points on that someone's got to man someone's got to no yeah yeah because you know everyone no to be honest i was I'm, I'm not gonna go with everton three points i'm not gonna go with newcastle three points either i think it's gonna be a draw i think newcastle are gonna show a lot of intention and i think everton i uh, you know don't have they start out well we're gonna start to see them stumble a little bit um I, I, have to, I believe the Toffees will bounce back Everton. Of course. Hamas Rodriguez. Yeah, this is an extremely <laughs> tough one. Um, I mean, just with I me. Mean, Everton's been on pretty good form outside of the uh, Southampton defeat. I think they're going to bounce back and get the three points. All right, cool. We have both teams covered, and we have all three possibilities covered on that one. So who knows what's going to happen. Next one, Man U versus Arsenal. You know, I'm going to let Alvin go first because I just don't feel like going first this time. Yeah, I kind of I hinted at this, you know, when I was talk- talking about the game. 
Uh, I think Man U are kind of hot streak. Arsenal are kind of a cold streak. And I think we should get the three points. These are the games we play well in. Give me a Man U Burnley, Man U Aston Villa. Uh, different question. Very answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with United as well. I think they have too much firepower for Arsenal's defense. And I believe, again, they're, they're playing as well as they've played in the last year, I should say, as far as the run of, you know, two, three games. Maguire's playing well. Wambasaka is looking like the best uh, wingback defender in the Prem. I'm going to have to go with United on this one. United. <laughs> um, I feel like Arsenal sometimes figure out how to do this, and just because no one else said it, I'll go Arsenal. All right. Uh, three more matches. We have a couple minutes, maybe a minute left. So let's let's quick fire these ones. Tottenham versus Brighton. I got to go top four Tottenham. Top four Tottenham it is. Yeah, top four Tottenham. First. All right. Let's go Fulham versus West Brom. I just can't really pick a winner, so draw. Um, yeah, draw again. I mean, who cares? I think Fulham, Fulham have to get their first. I said it last time. This time they should get their first three points. I'm going West Brom. Let's go. We got all of them. Woo! We have every single possibility. Leeds United versus Leicester. I'm going to go. Oh, my gosh. This is tough. I'm going to go Leeds United. Going to Leeds as well. Belisa will get the job done. Oh, I'm going to go with Leeds as well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Woo! I think y'all are crazy. I'm going to take Leicester. Yeah, I thought I was going oh, to a hot take yeah, that was a hot take going Leeds. We got three people going Leeds versus Leicester. I'm changing mine to Leicester, bro. I'm changing mine to Leicester. No, I know. Uh, we, we, we're gonna have two. Alba, we'll get it. We'll get it. Don't worry. We'll get it. Yeah, that's that's right. better for us. Then. Better right. for me. Exactly. We could talk about this for ages, but for the lack of time, that's it for this edition of Banter O'Clock. As always, we love you guys listening along. Hopefully, we made you guys laugh a couple times. That's the goal of the show. Come for the banter. Stay for the knowledge. <laughs>